such that he is identifiably a man. Mm -hmm. So there could be other human groups around that may come to his aid that may say, hey, that's a snake, let me help you, right? We need to chop off his head and not his tail. Or we need to do, you know, any help or any compassion or empathy that he would get will also has to be predicated on the fact that he is identified as a man. So whereas if, if, if black people are looking to go to Africa or Asia or, you know, South America and face any other situation other than being taken advantage of. Hey, they have money, come over here, right? Because white supremacy is a global phenomenon. If that man wants to go anywhere else in that, and not get taken advantage of and find himself in, a, in an abusive situation by another color, means that firstly, he has to be identified as a man. And then those that would honor him as such will be able to do so in good conscience. See, and then he will stop acting as anything other than a man. And it will be so evident that then he could clearly see who's on his side and who's not. Uh, but in terms of George Floyd, I mean, I think we're back to the same thing. Like um, those were not police agents, they were law enforcement agents. And we've established that the law is what's written, which would mean thou shalt not kill or murder is illegal. That's what the written law said, but we've established that not only do they enforce the written law, which they do with, with prejudice, they enforce the unwritten law, right? Which the caveat to the written law is, unless you're a black man, right? Then you may or you may not be punished to the full extent of the law. So when you look at Chauvin who did the active kneeling on George's neck, right? Yes, in, in my opinion, he should be charged with murder and it was intentional because he understood the outcome. But however, he's a law enforcer and he's enforcing law. So he is legally in the right. I don't mean morally, I mean legally based on the state, based on what the state declares to be legal action. So the action, the act of murdering a black man in public is a legal action if done by a law enforcement agent because that person has been uh, authorized to execute the law. And that's exactly what he did. Now, we are often naive because we've been trained uh, naively by the system to say, this is legal, this is illegal. And when you do things illegal, you're gonna be, get punished by the law. But see, they understand that the law is written and unwritten, like we said. And, Though he should get punished, um, will he? And I would say, mm, if I was a betting man, I would say he will not get punished to the full extent of the law. Just to kind of jump in, because um, you made a good point, would you be? Um, would you say that part of the law is more so being black is illegal? Because uh, we have many cases where black people have not even been breaking their law, whether written or unwritten, and still um, have ended in fatality. So would you say in that state that um, really the law that we break is something outside of our control, which is just being black? Well, yes, and, and just real quick, as far as those other individuals, I would just give a quick uh, metaphor and say, if you and I walk into a store and you had no idea I was gonna murder the clerk, right? And so we go in there and you see, whoa, he's robbing the store. Okay, and suppose you don't do anything about it. You're standing there, I'm doing everything. I grab the clerk and I, I hold the clerk down and uh, you know, I start to strangle the clerk. And you say to me, hey man, you know, we weren't supposed to do all of this. And I say, you know what? I outrank you. You're just new, I just, you're new. Just hold it, hold the clerk's feet. And you say, man, I think they're dying. And I say, you know, that doesn't matter. Now, 
after that clerk is is good and dead, right? And the and the law enforcers come to get us. The court, in terms of punishing and sentencing, I will likely get murder, and most likely premeditated murder, right? You will get accessory. At a minimum, you will get an accessory to murder. Now that's only if you can prove that you had no prior knowledge of my intentions. So otherwise, well, I mean accessory in different degrees. So, you know, you may be up there with me or you may cop a plea deal, but at best, you're gonna be implicated in that crime and you're gonna face sentencing. And it won't just be you lose your job, okay? It will be punitive sentencing. It'll be, it will be jail or prison time right? On top of losing your job. It's just sort of, in terms of how we've been framed to think and view things, it's um, because they are a quote-unquote police officer. Sometimes I think uh, the prism through which we view it is they, we still give a certain deference to their authority. And we say, well, they were there, they were subduing a guy who was committed, suspected of a crime, and, you know, therefore, you know, them getting fired is, is good enough. But it's like if you had two firefighters and they go to a building and the building is on fire, right? And one of them, you know, in, in, the, in the act of them extinguishing the fire, one of them simply sees someone in there begging for help. And they actually just shut the door and say nothing, right? That person in, it would be derelict of duty. And um, in the commission of their job, they fail to act, but it wouldn't just be a moral thing. It would be a criminal offense because they knew what was gonna happen to them. They knew what was happening to that person and they did not intervene, right? So it's sort of, is weird that in the context of, of law enforcers, we tend to put up a prism of, of, and even when we're not always aware of it, and sort of, uh, you know, I, I just find that odd. But yeah, the short answer to that is, um, uh, yeah, he, the Chauvin should go down. The other people should get, I mean, something along that spectrum. But should it be, it should be tied to a criminal offense, not just a derelict of duty. And as far as criminalizing being black, I mean, there's a reason black codes were initially called black codes because they were codes that were effective as effectively laws that were enforced by law enforcement. And they acted on those black codes. And they were termed that way because, you know, they were codified for a specific focus and purpose. And they essentially made black life, they criminalized black life basically without saying, oh, your skin is black, therefore you're a criminal. What they would say is, well, black people, as a black person, you're, you're in this area here, you tend to like this type of music, you tend to uh, smoke this sort of drug or whatever, or, or you tend to, I'm basically look at everything that goes along with you being black and say that that is actually what's illegal. And so then we'll enforce the law on that but it's so closely tied to your blackness that the end result is, is predictably the same. So it's, it's a way of criminalizing blackness, but then having plausible deniability, which is typical of a snake. You know, snake has a forked tongue for a reason. Makes sense, that's nice and clear. Um... Yeah, that's that's as clear as you're gonna get. Um, that's good. So, and I also do believe that um, you are absolutely right with the word policing and law enforcement. And I personally believe that we are not dealing with either one. Um, I think it's too much bias to call them law enforcers. Again, I think that if to call them law enforcers, they would have to enforce that law across the board. Um, and to be police officers, they're definitely not clearing or uh, making the world or the streets any safer or better. Um, I don't think they're anything short of what we would call um, gangsters or oppressors. 
Um, but with the next question of um, the next case, I wanted to swing over into the Minneapolis case that we spoke about earlier. Um, the question is, do you believe that the, the suspect slash victim was in the wrong? Um, and do you believe that law enforcement acted um, throughout the entirety of the case? Do you believe that law enforcement acting, acted in accordance with, with their laws even? Um, I would say to my first question, I don't believe that the suspect slash victim was in the wrong. And my reasonings why is um, I believe that being that the police officers were the initiators of the conflict um, based off what they suspected, I believe that they acted recklessly. I believe that there's plenty of ways they could have um, went about that investigation that would have ended in an arrest and not a fatality. So I believe that that was reckless and criminal activity on the police's uh, behalf. I believe that the, the guy responded in self-defense as he was being cornered, like you would do in any fear situation. Again, fight or flight um, doesn't differentiate between police officers or lions and tigers and bears. Um, being that they approached him with guns and cornered him, I believe that his only intention was to try to get out of that scene um, alive, regardless of criminal activity. So that's why I would say the police officers initiated that, and I think they did so recklessly, which is why I would justify his actions of even shooting first, because um, it could have been handled better. Um, it didn't have to be handled with a sting operation. Um, and if so, they could have let the sale play out and arrested him uh, later. They could have had it on video. Um, other than that, so yeah, I would say the law enforcement did not even act correctly in accordance with their own law. All right, I'm gonna turn it over to you. Yeah, what I would say to that is um, we have to remember that laws can be corrupt. See now, and that's just the oxymoron, you know, to say somebody can do something illegally, legally, or legally do something illegal, I think is just, now we just justifying and trying to rationalize uh, ignorance and something that's just completely inconsistent. but. I understand what you're saying, so I'm gonna keep let you. I'm gonna let you go. Okay. So if if the law is corrupt, like in the case of black codes, or as in the case of the stiff penalties for marijuana laws versus uh, you know opioids, or as in the case of crack cocaine versus powder cocaine, you know where one gets you ten years in the federal pen, or and the other is sort of probation. These are actual laws on the books. So since those laws are corrupt, law enforcement can totally enforce those laws and it would still be racist because the laws themselves are racist laws, right? So there's no, I don't think there's any inconsistency with being a law enforcement agent that totally enforces the law, but at the same time is part of a racist institution that maintains racism, white supremacy, and a prison industrial complex, because that's what the laws are designed to do. The enforcer only enforces. And yes, on lesser levels, the enforcer also has prejudice, where they let some people free and they don't let other people free. But at the same time, by virtue of being part of that system, they ultimately are enforcers of racism, white supremacy even when they do enforce the law. So I, I just, even if they were to enforce it equally, I still think the result would be racist because we've been put in a position to where we're poorer, we're less educated, we are more dependent and you know, we act, we're more prone to sort of ending up on the wrong end of that spectrum. Which brings me to your question. In this particular case, um, I would say well, the short answer is I would say that in this instance, I think that the police or the law enforcement agents, they did act totally consistent with the law enforcement agency in that 
technically according to the laws that are on the books, the person was selling illegal arms. The person was, you know, doing so without a license. The person was not supposed to be in possession of firearms, et cetera. And then they decided to take this person into custody based on that. They did so in a public place. Now, I don't know, there, there's moral arguments as to did they do it the best way, but technically they should apprehend that individual and he should be subject to penalty under the law. Now we're just talking about law. We're not saying right or wrong or the greater context. But in this specific situation, if we use the rationale of the current government and system and the way it's set up, the guy broke the law, they tried to apprehend him and he shot first at them, right? Now, if we were in our own nation and we said how we're gonna enforce the laws because we as a community, we can't have people sort of going around doing things that are gonna harm other members of the community. So when, if I go off to work or you go off to work, you wanna know that just a random individual can't run in your house and take all your things. There's gotta be some, um, there's gotta be something to either stop that or bring real consequences so that that sort of behavior is discouraged, right? And suppose we would determine well, we, you know, we, if the guy maybe stole someone's child or he raped someone or something, that's going to be a very high level offense. And we're going to go and remove him from our society, right? We're going to go and do that. And we have to do that because we take that serious. And our women and our children expect us to do that and to be responsible men. That's what we're going to do. That would look like something if we have justice in mind and we would apply that across the board in our community. The problem we have nowadays is that when people break laws, which ought to be for the betterment of society, the law enforcement comes in and then they apply and they enforce the laws with, with prejudice and discrimination. That's the problem. So the, their history of their behavior and how they've demonstrated that prejudice makes us question, should they have done it that way? Why did they do it that way? If he were a white guy, right? Would they had sort of just waited until he showed up at home and then, you know, tased him or, you know, caught him when he was least likely to be able to pull a weapon and hog power him and take him in peacefully? Would they had done it that way, right? Because we know in this case, they said, let's just roll up on him and draw the guns and, you know, he'll either come peacefully or he won't. And if he draws his weapon, we're going to shoot him, right? So that application of the law, even though technically they could get off from a legal standpoint, right, the moral law and our history with them is what causes us to question their actions and their motives, because we don't see that happening um, typically to white males, but definitely not white females. Well, I mean, I'm sure we've seen all the instances where white men draw guns and they get in the shootouts and they somehow miraculously get taken in uh, without incident, you know? So yeah, that's, that's what I would say to that. Get too long winded. No, that's cool, man. Like I said, we got time. That was, that was, that was well put. Um, just to kind of give a brief uh, example of what kind of what I say about the law. I do believe words do have um, do have meanings. And in my opinion, I just don't believe that they are even enforcing their own laws. I believe that it's a complete disregard of their own laws when they do the things that they do to any group of people um, versus a rich white man versus a poor white man. To take it off a of race for a minute, they're going to have two completely different approaches despite the fact that the law written or unwritten um it doesn't really justify or rationalize it it's just that we don't question or or hold them to the same laws that they hold us to 
And I think that that's more of the problem of we don't have a system to enforce the law against law enforcers um, because they kind of have this uh, window of like they get a pass, which I don't think is um, in accordance with the law itself. Um, but with that also being said, um, I don't think that they can um, fluctuate on who gets to make the law if the law was that clean cut um, about if you make the rules and say it's a law, then it's a law. I don't think it's that clean cut because then anybody would just be able to make a law if they were powerful enough to enforce it and it would be accepted. So I think the terminology um, in our brains is that we keep saying these people are breaking the law, breaking the law, and that the police officers are enforcing the law. But I don't think that that's really what's going on. I think exactly. that's a facade, in my opinion, where it's like, no, it wasn't against the law. That was just not your preference for this society, but it's not even really a law because you just made this out of the blue. Um, nobody agreed that's to it. exactly what I was saying. That's yeah. what right. I'm speaking to. There's a law for the populace, but right. then people are not subjected to those laws equally. But what I would also go further and say, like you just said, the old, the, the, the saying might makes right Meaning if you have the enforcement capability, then you decide what's law. Right. And I think in the United States of America, right, especially the law is, I think it's still criminalized to be brought black. Right. And when, when I say they actually are enforcing the law, that's what I mean. They're enforcing laws that are on the book that they apply with prejudice. So they could say, yeah, a person's supposed to go into custody if they have a gun. And if they see a white person without a gun permit and a gun, they let them go. They may take the gun and let the, the guy go, or they may give them the gun and let them go. Uh, and if it's a black person, take them to jail. See, there's no inconsistency there because ultimately the law is, it's a criminal to be black and it's not written but it is the law of the land. It's the law of the government. And the law enforcement, they enforce the laws, both written and unwritten. So since it's a crime to be black, when the cops show up, right, they're going to enforce the law. It's just that us on a popular level, we're like, well, hey, statute 505C says, you know, he can, like Philando Castillo, he had legally, he possessed the firearm and the law said he could, the written law. But the actual law that was enforced was that you're black and you can't have that gun, right? That's what's illegal here. And I am going to enforce that law. I am a law enforcement agent. And what happened was he shot him and killed him. And predictably, he did not go to prison for you know murder and I'm not sure specifically what that officer got, but I believe it was nothing or next to nothing. Um, I'm not even sure if he became a gypsy cop where he had to leave one job and went to another. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know either. I stopped, I stopped following the verdicts because I just was like, yeah, I already know where this is going. There's no point in following. Either they're not severe enough or they're not at all. And that's because though, again, they actually are enforcing the law that they're supposed to enforce based on the government, based on the spiritual wickedness of this nation, they're actually acting the way they're supposed to act. Because if they were not acting the way they were supposed to act, then it wouldn't be tolerated. Actually, I think that's um, a question that we need to discuss too, is what's the law? Um, because you have cases where police officers rape inmates or just rape people which has absolutely nothing to do with uh, law enforcement. And, you know, that ain't protocol. That ain't nobody's protocol, you know. But then at the same time, actually, we could take it even off a of race or anything like that. We can go into statistics about domestic violence and how if you're in a relationship with a police officer, that the domestic violence rate is twice the national rate which basically means that it's a 50-50 chance that if you're in a relationship with a police officer that you're going to be abused domestically, you know, and that's 
male, female, man, woman, or child, or whatever. So we have to really ask ourselves, what's the law? And how come these law enforcers are turning a blind eye to these type of statistics when they know it's true? You know, and I think that America messed up because they gave these law enforcers so much power and they put so much trust in them that when it all backfired, they really had nowhere to go. They don't know what to do. They're not enforcing their own laws that's on the books because they're letting people get away with breaking the law, including themselves. I think the police officers, um, they pose enough of a threat or even the local government actually has to abide by what they say is law. They can change the law on the street because who's going to arrest the police? Nobody. They're not nobody. There's nothing in place. You would have to literally wage war as a nation to even solve a corrupt police entity. And I think that that's the bigger picture, uh, which is why you see this back and forth. I don't think the government knows how to address the issue um, because it's, it's becoming such a bigger issue, bigger than race. It's really an issue of power. And they're starting to see that they can be overran by local government because not only are they nationwide, the military would have to be more focused on uh, other threats outside of the nation, meaning that you got um, foreign affairs that you got to deal with. You can't call all your troops here because it's too much going on with America and other countries. So they can't, they don't even have the power to really implement a civil war um, with the idea that they would win it and have anything to salvage after it. So I think the bigger issue is that we're seeing them ignore these problems because you can say it's a race problem. You can say it's a financial problem, all these things, but really it's a power issue. And um, the police have a type of power that's unmatched um, on ground level, which is why we keep getting this runaround about um, are they right or wrong or is this the law or is that the law? They're not. They're completely rogue, even more so than corrupt. It's like I don't even think they know what direction they want to go in. And um, again, to bring up those rape statistics, when you see when we see these things happening and we have proof of them. Um, there's nobody to, to investigate or do anything about it. So I think that's what we're facing. And we're, we're getting so distracted with the racial components because we know that those are foul that we don't even see that, um, this problem is even bigger than that. And I think that's something we should be very aware of because we know as black people, we always wind up on a, on the bad end of the violence stick. And it's a violence issue right now. So if police officers and entities are becoming more and more powerful, we should be on higher alert because if the, if the government can't protect us from the police, then the police can do whatever they want, which is exactly what they're doing. And I think that's our issue. Well, um, also, no, go ahead. Yeah. So to speak to that, man, I think there's, there's, there's a major assumption there. And the assumption is that, the police on the street are, you know, they're becoming so powerful. They're so powerful as an organization that they're off the chain, literally. And, you know, that, that, that's true to a certain extent, because even when you look at, historically speaking, you know, there were rogue states in the South that wanted to set apart. There was a civil war over the question of slavery, et cetera. And when you look at the nature of that, there was a point at which once the Civil War was done and the, the North sort of won, the, uh, the Union won, et cetera, what happened then, and I think this speaks to the nature of government and what's actually happening now, is what happened then was immediately after the Union won, I, Roosevelt was president, I believe, and, and during the Reconstruction era and the New Deal, the federal government had the power and the authority to bring these rogue states to heel. So Texas, Mississippi, the Carolinas, these sort of upstarts that were sort of, uh, they lost. They had to set the slaves free. Uh, they were very embittered about it. They were very humbled. And there was a point at which the federal government had troops there and they 
when we say might makes right, they were occupying the South. The Union forces were in the South. And they totally could have said, look, we're gonna make black people equal citizens. Slavery's over. We're gonna make them citizens, you know, and uh, you guys gotta stop mistreating them. But the federal government decided to make concessions to the South, not because the South was powerful as these rogue states that had guns and stuff, but because this, the federal government empathized with the South. They understood why you want the Negro to be second class and oppressed. They concurred. They were in agreement with it. So though they had the power, the military force right then, they could have made things right, but they decided to sympathize with these people who had just mounted a civil war against the, the, uni uh, the would-be United States. And they let them off the hook. And uh, the rest is history. The black codes, the, you know, the slave patrols morphed into in enforcement agents and et cetera. Fast forward in time, the federal government saw on the horizon white supremacist organizations that were infiltrating law enforcement agencies on the city, county, state level. Fed, the feds saw it. The feds had um, inside men, as it were. They, were. they had taps, they were doing investigations. In fact, the, Fed, the federal government put out a report on it. And they said, our determination is that law enforcement agents across the nation have been effectively infiltrated by white supremacist organizations. This was the federal government. Did they do sting operations? Did they uh, bust people down? Because there was a time at which there were key individuals that were, that were initiating this. Did the feds intervene? No, they did not. This was not a question of law enforcement being outgunning the federal government as it were. It was another instance where the federal government is in agreement with lower level and local law enforcement. Today, we have these police organizations and what we hear in popular media is, media is oh, they're so powerful, right? We can't run stories, we can't say as oh, the police are so powerful. But the question I would ask is, all of a sudden, if um, somebody in Afghanistan acts up, even somebody in Russia or China or these other nations, if there were hostility, I think as a matter of might and practice, the actual federal government and the resources that they have and the intel that they have, right? They know very well how to, to, to sort of squash movements and infiltrate things and bring it down when they want to. They did it with the Panthers. They did it when they got upset at one point with certain white supremacist groups, they'll infiltrate them and bring them down. You know, and all that means is knowing what's gonna happen, making a move on the person, arresting the correct people and punishing people to the extent of the law. Now, if that means a risk of, uh, hey, all these cops are gonna run out and grab guns and start opposing the government and they're so afraid of that. I mean, I don't think uh, the evidence for that for me is not there because first of all, I think the police as a blue body act in concert because of the leadership. And all they would really need to do is start to punish the ones that act out and put in the correct leadership and the rest of them fools will go along. White supremacists are not bold, particularly. They're not courageous. They're not bravado. They're not gonna do something if they feel like they're getting, that bullets are coming back at them and people are fighting back. See, they've always lynched people in covers of darkness and hoods and they like to snipe and they like to get huge numbers on their side and then they'll string up a couple niggers. But what they're not is, is, is brave. And I, I, my, my position is, I think the police force is allowed to act with impunity uh, precisely because the federal government is in agreement or, or at least they don't see anything wrong with it. You know, that's, but you know, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense as far as the evidence. Like I said, I haven't done any 
researches to pull case by case. But as um as I just sit back and analyze what's going on, I see a few different dynamics than what um even what the nation was facing in the 1800s. Um, just with different um allies that they had to support them. I think all things considered, the police are too powerful for the federal government to to turn their backs on in addition to the threat that they face overseas. They don't have the they don't have the capacity or manpower to handle a civil war with prominent attacks of, you know, different Taliban groups that they've been having their foot on for years, right? You can't let up to say, hey, we got to go home and clean up. Give us a second. So I think back in the 1800s, they didn't really have those problems. So what I'm seeing is the police are powerful enough where they can say, hey, we're going to let them run rogue because that's a less, that's less of an issue than having, let's say, you know, North Korea see that we're weak and we're beefing amongst ourselves. And now we got to deal with Russia, North Korea, the police, that's something that I think the federal government is in fear of. Um, and I think that they didn't have that uh, in the 1800s when they were fighting a civil war. So I do agree that um, they can intervene, but I don't think that they can do it to the level that they would need to if they honestly wanted to condemn the police. So I think they have to accept the police actions because the police are basically um, doing things that are not in accord with what they would like um, the, the world to see, meaning they don't want the world to see that they're racist, but now it's, it can't be ignored because the police are so rogue. But it's almost like if you have a child at home that's acting crazy and you at work at the moment, the only thing you can do is make threats and say, oh, wait till I get home, I'm going to tear you up. But for the time being, that kid has all the power to ransack and do whatever to that home until you get there when you have the time to leave work. So if, you're, if your people know this and they know that, hey, every time you go to work, you distracted, I can get away with things that you don't agree to. So the rules of the house didn't change. But um, as they say, um, when the cat is away, the mice will play. I think that that's more of what we're seeing. We're seeing more of um disagreement between local governments and federal governments. And I think that it's leading to something bigger and I think that we become distracted because we just focus on race when sometimes it can be bigger, even as a nation, where it's like race is always going to be an issue for us in America. But when we see things escalating, where it's like, man, these people, when mom and dad is going at it, that's bigger than the issue that you had at home. You think as a kid, oh, mom and dad is mad at me. But it's a bigger issue. Like, no, mom and dad about to get a divorce. And it ain't because of you. So I think that America is facing a lot of different things right now and people can kind of be tuned into their own small little bubble of how they fit into this bigger scheme of things and it can be a distraction. But I do agree that um, there's definitely not enough evidence to support that, but that's kind of just my um, perception of what I'm seeing because a lot of things are really inconsistent. And when I look at the history of America, um, a lot of things have changed, especially with foreign affairs and, um, you know, them overstepping their boundaries in places who usually align themselves with America are kind of retreating, which is why you see this uh, political explosion, even in the White House and whatnot. There's a lot of disagreeing and people are seeing that. And unlike the 1800s, again, it wasn't social media and things for people to be able to see these things overseas to know that, hey, you better watch what you do because we can see what's going on in your house now. And I think that all of those things play a role when it trickles all the way down to the level of um, police brutality because we're still looking at it from a, from a very narrow scope, in my opinion. And I think we need to broaden that scope so that we can kind of see that the dynamics have changed, even though the results sometimes remain the same. So we still getting killed and oppressed, but if we broaden that scope, we are gonna see that there's a lot of things going on in addition to that, which may help us. But if we just look at it from a perspective of just the history and we don't implement um, 
the current day and how things have changed, I think it it leaves us more vulnerable. So when they get their act together, so to speak, we'll be in the same situation because we're not taking all things into account when it comes to really addressing the issue and freeing ourselves from it in every aspect um, and avenue that's available to us. Well, I agree uh, to an extent. And like you said, there's a saying that says, history doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it rhymes. And uh, one of the reasons why actually the abolitionist movement amongst whites grew in the United States so much was because of foreign policy. So back in the day after, great, after the Haitian Revolution and Great Britain outlawed bringing slaves out of Africa, that meant a lot of countries either A, they started breeding the slaves they had, or they started pirating slaves still out of Africa. And then certain nations wound up ending slavery based on the Haitian Revolution because it put a lot of fear in the hearts of white people. And the United States, um, it wasn't just a moral issue like let's free the slaves. I mean, I know everybody, but I mean, I know uh, it's well known that the South was going powerful. They were starting their own industries. They were trying to cut the North out of the slave industry which the North was fine with slavery as long as they got to manage the textile side of it. But once the South wanted to grow their own textiles and the mills and, 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 and just basically become rich and powerful in and of themselves, the North all of a sudden, this growing abolitionist movement that was said, oh, hey, it's inhumane to have slaves now. But part of that consideration that Abraham Lincoln faced back then was France, for one uh, example, was starting to embargo the United States. So the United States and their foreign policy being able to trade with other nations, which was part of, okay, we're gonna ship this cotton product and these tobacco products, not just within the United States, but we're gonna sell them to France and you know, Germany and these other people. Well, the United States was facing real imminent embargo, trade embargoes, and it was around the issue of slavery. And it wasn't just necessarily like France was like, oh, that's so wrong. I mean, there could have been some of that, but also the United States was just growing too powerful and they had to be checked. This was a foreign policy issue. And so the, the slave patrols and the police, meanwhile, on the ground level, while the federal government had these concerns, um, they were acting in accordance with what they were installed to do. Remember, they were installed to police black bodies. They were installed to keep them from running away they were invested with authority to kill them, to do harm to them if the Negro resisted and, and, and the uh, law enforcement to follow emancipation. Anytime they were harming black people and being brutal to black people, they actually were permitted to do that because they were acting in accordance with what they had been put there to do. And I don't think the police currently are doing anything different than they were back then. They're still murdering, bringing into slavery, kidnapping, raping, uh, violating and dehumanizing black bodies, which was what they were put there to do in the first place. So I don't think they are, see if the police force were saying, oh, we're gonna go after white folks now. And we're gonna go after the Justine Diamonds of the world also. And we're gonna go after white folks and we're gonna put that on social media. We're gonna kill them when they're running and everything. If they were doing that and saying, and you better not stop us federal government. If they were doing that, that would be something to see. That would be real, like I will be convinced they had power and they were acting like as rogues and they weren't basically doing what the federal government winked at. But as long as they keep it to black people, I think they're not gonna get that much opposition from the federal government. And I think that in terms of foreigners being able to see what's happening, see, cause foreigners got news of what the United States was doing back then. It was slower, but now instantly people can see what's happening in the United States. And uh, you see sort of what happened in the wake of George Floyd the movement, which was, you know, a lot of people say, and I tend to concur, that was the Black Lives Matters rush in and they take all the photo ops and they sort of take everything over. 
and you wind up with a bunch of people blowing off steam instead of any real structural change happening. But the foreign policy part of it, the United States is somewhat concerned with, but the UN issued a decree that the United States was, was in human rights violation and what they did to black people. And the UN cited title by title, it's each thing the United States was doing, they issued that in 2018 and it is literally the United Nations. So all the nations, I mean, it's no secret. I think the United States is arrogant enough. They've invested enough in their military might and uh, they just think they're you know, basically above, quote unquote, above the law, but we know the law is what they say. Uh, that they essentially don't, they wouldn't necessarily really care that much unless there were some real consequences to abusing black people in the United States. That, 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 that action, that machine, I think they'll just keep it moving as it is, but we'll see. I do agree with you though. Yeah, uh, no, no, that's, that's good. That's the, that's the point of the conversation. We should have different perspectives. Um, I think that's important. And um, so, yeah, I, I completely uh, understand that philosophy. And I do think that um, I personally still think that it's a little different in uh, modern day times, just um, the, the growing disrespect, um, obvious disrespect that uh, other countries are having towards America. I think just getting sick of their arrogance, like you say, I think a lot of those things are changing. And even when like, um, as you mentioned, the Haitian revolution, um, you know, the French, the French were defeated in, in, in a lot of aspects. And, um, you know, they did have to sell um, their shares of America, you know, the Louisiana purchase, you know, really re resulted from those type of actions. So I think the dynamics were still even different as far as who was actually in power, you know, of America and how everything was kind of divided until it gotten to a certain point. So this America that we see today, I don't think that we, we were kind of seeing the beginning of that in the past, but um, I think that now at its full functionality, I think a lot of people even around them, they don't want to see them in existing versus um, in the past. I think that it was still viewed upon as these people can be uh uh, work with we can work with um, the people who are in power but I don't see that um, happening as much with foreign affairs and I think that if if things do continue to go the way that they have been going I think that we will see more police action against all people um, who are who are protesting or against if you want to say uh, the police. I think that the the racial issue is starting to expand to a class issue, which was always a bigger issue when you look at a at a worldwide conflict um, point of conflict. Classism has always been bigger than race because race is fairly new when you look at the world scale of different societies as far as people choosing race as a reason to discriminate. So I think as that starts to get smaller and smaller, the people in power are looking um, to maintain control. And if they say, hey, y'all want to team up with the black people? Okay, cool. Team up with them. And we're going to treat you in the same light as them. And I think that we've seen that before. Um, they talk about it, um, the different type of servitudes and how even um, some people became slave catchers and they gave certain white people privileges to um, oversee black people, but yet they still oppressed them basically to an equal extent because they didn't want the blacks and the white to link up because then they created a more uncontrollable environment for the powers that be. So they use race as a, as a point of division, divide and conquer. So I think that we're kind of starting to see that play out little by little. And I think that, um, you're gonna see an explosion if they don't maintain or regain that power soon. You're gonna see an explosion of um, basically chaos, which we kind of had a dose of it with the with, in 2020, 
just in America and everybody can kind of say it was a little different. Like, yeah, police violence has been going on for a long time, but the George Floyd case showed the unity that was happening between lower class individuals of all races, meaning that you had Native Americans, you had African Americans, you had European Americans, and, and so on, kind of coming together where you had this nationwide protest, which the first time in American history, you have what they say over 30 states all protesting at the same time. And America pretty much had to make a choice. We're going to side with the police or we're going to side with the people. And right now, that's the main issue is how are we going to deal with this so that we can get back to um, oppressing Black people? That's really, to me, what it's all about. How are we going to get back to secretly oppressing Black people without getting white people and other people too invested into trying to help Black people? Because then we become more of a threat, even as Black people, if we have more support and allies um, within the country to support and help us. And you see that because of, um, you know, the rise in interracial relationships. So you have a lot of biracial individuals who say they're not any more Black than they are white. These are just things that you didn't see in these numbers in the past. So you have a lot of people who are divided in who they think is right and who they think is wrong. And that's why you get these explosive protests in the media I think tries to undermine it and say, oh, well, it's just Black Lives Matter. These these groups are not really a threat. But internally, deep down inside, I believe they're acting in fear, the government. I believe the government is acting in fear because they see that this is not quite the same elements that we were dealing with. Um, and like I said, only time will tell kind of how we both were saying like, there will need to be more evidence to, to confirm that. But um, the energy that I've been receiving and that I'm seeing is that there's a complete shift in power right now in America. And whoever, whoever grabs that power and uh, basically finds a way to control it is who that, that entity will be in charge of this nation for, for years to come, in my opinion, whether that be a foreign government taking over, whether it be a new power structure within America, I don't know, but I do see and feel a shift in power, which is what's kind of causing this chaos, um, even amongst the American people.